Hey, welcome back to Pigeonal Hockey. This is Chris, and today is co-host Sebastian. Oh, hello. And we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So how goes your day, Sebastian? Oh, things are good here. Um, obviously, it's Labor Day when we're recording here, so it's a, it's a day off, day of relaxing, day of catching up on some coaching courses, and uh, obviously uh, getting in a podcast. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm trying to catch up on my schedule. I just feel like I'm constantly falling behind on all these little things I need to do here in Denmark and such. So it's it's been really, really busy, but uh, I really also really can't complain. Been able to watch a lot of hockey with the Champions Hockey League here and just seeing all these announcements from across the really across the world right now. Like the KHL has started. The Gentinai Hockey Liga is starting. You've got leagues all over, like junior leagues, starting to do their preseason games up there in Canada and through the United States. There's just a lot of hockey going on right now. Right now, even in the English Elite Ice Hockey League in England, is starting with their preseason games this week. So, yeah, man, it's really the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, any time hockey begins, it's uh, it's Christmas, really. It is. And one of the Christmas gifts we all got in the last week and a half to watch the drama unfold was the oh-so-rare offer sheet. And tell our listeners a little bit about this offer sheet and kind of how it's gone down. So, I mean, the one that just happened, obviously, it's the, you know, I'm going to call it the payback offer sheet. So, I, I, was it was perfectly two named? Yeah. Yep. Two, I think it was two years ago, right? A bunch of y'all yep. offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo for, I forget what the exact total number was actually ever here it was a five-year 42.27 million dollar deal obviously that kind of handcuffed the the hurricanes for a little bit and you know it was back and forth wasn't sure i thought it was a fair deal i mean i think sebastian was a great player so i thought it was a fair deal but i think it kind of put a wrench in what the canes wanted to offer him so they end up matching it so that was july 1st 2019 so it will bump up actually three years to august 28th 2021 when the Canes tweeted like they, I mean, they went off, like they tweeted like different things. They made their bio in French on Twitter. Like they were like, this was very much of like a F you, this is coming back at you. And they, they offer sheeted Esperi Kakanyemi for a one year, 6.1 million. Now different thoughts on this. I think that's an overpayment for a player like this. Yes, it's only one year, but then when you go into contract negotiations the, the next year with the player, he's not. you can't tell him, hey, it was a joke, sorry, but we're only offering you $4 million. Unless he has a really bad season or something. But anyway, so there was back and forth about this offer sheet, and it was clearly kind of a F you, you know, we've been kind of waiting for this to happen. And then Montreal did not match that. So with with the compensation, so I think it, the year the way it goes, and I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's by salary number and uh length of contract so with this one the canes had to give up their first and third round picks of 2022 to get the offer sheet so montreal said no thank you like we'll take it and uh actually end up flipping those two picks to the yotes for christian dvorak and for me i, I think it's it's i think Kakanyemi needed a change of pace i think he needed to be somewhere different i don't think things were working out well in montreal they basically traded him straight up for dvorak basically how it turns out because they traded first and second but what Montreal did, what I think is super smart, is they traded a first and a second for Dvorak, which I think is an underappreciated player. And I think 
we're going to see that this year when he becomes a top six player in Montreal. So basically what they did is they whatever the worst of those picks are. So if Montreal were to win the Stanley Cup this year and the Canes were to bomb and finish last, Montreal would win the Stanley Cup and get to pick first overall because they have that pick. Or vice versa, if Montreal did very poorly and the Canes won the Stanley Cup, well then the Canes picks would go to to the Coyotes. So um, to me, it, offer sheets are always interesting, especially when... You know, a team like Montreal took kind of a situation and and flipped into a situation where they kind of wanted it to happen. I still think it's hilarious that the Canes did this basically out of spite. Yeah, they got Kakanyemi, which was, you know, a number three pick a few years ago. But at the same time, it's just kind of very much. I mean, their Twitter basically said, like, we're doing this out of spite what you did. And I think it got us kind of talking about offer sheets. And not that we're experts on offer sheets, but I really didn't know when offer sheets started or how many big name players had been offer sheeted before. And I think that's what this, this episode is really about is just kind of let's talk about some of these offer sheets that, like, blew my mind just looking at them. Offer sheets are pretty rare. I just... As a Sabres fan, I was aware of the Vanek offer sheet by Edmonton a few years back, which, again, kind of handcuffed us as an organization at that time. That really hurt. I mean, he was a player definitely worth the cash, like Montreal could have done or like Carolina could have done with Ajo, as it kind of handcuffed them into, well, we have to at least sign this. (laughs) You know, this is... We have to match it or we lose the player. And that's kind of what happened with the Vanek situation. That really hurt the Sabres at the time because they weren't a wealthy organization at the time. And it really handcuffed them with what they were able to do. And we ended up losing a bunch of players because the fans would have lost it had we given up Vanek. Yeah, you and I started talking about it. And we started looking into some of these offer sheets that have come down over the years. And I had no idea that literally offer sheets have been around since the 80s. You know, the first one that comes up on the website we're looking here for is Gary Nyland in 1986. And this was, you know, he played for Toronto Maple Leafs and the Chicago Blackhawks offered him a three-year, $620,000 contract. Obviously, back then, it was a lot of money. And then kind of, it's just weird. Like, I mean, I obviously don't think when an offer sheet happened that early, they didn't really have any rules because they got basically two players and a fourth-round draft pick for him. So I think that's almost seems like a, a trade. But, you know, just going down the list, I mean, the one that the, the one that kind of I, I, there's lots to blow my mind. I'm sure we'll go into this. But the, the one that I saw that I had really no idea um, was July 16th, 1990. The St. Louis Blues offer sheeted the Washington Capitals, Scott Stevens, a four year, five point one million dollars, which was not matched by the Capitals. And the St. Louis Blues had to give up five first round draft picks to get him. Now, you know, we move down the list. There's a ton of big names here, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Like, I'm chomping at the bit, just flying by these names to, to find, again, Scott Stevens. In 1994, the St. Louis Blues, again, tried to offer sheet for Scott Stevens with the New Jersey Devils, and it was a four-year, $17 million deal. Now, however, the Blues were ordered to compensate the Devils with $1.425 million, a first-round draft pick for tampering with Scott Stevens' second offer sheet. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what happened. I mean, 1994, I was four years old, so I, I don't remember. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's just it's just interesting to see that the NHL, how much they stepped up basically finding a team for tampering to, you know, the first offer sheet we talked about in 86, where they were basically able to give up just two players and a fourth round draft pick for the player. Yeah. And, and when all these offer sheets happened back then, because even then, in 1994, I was 14 years old and. I wouldn't have known about this because, again, the Internet wasn't a thing yet in 94, as well as ESPN was basically the sports 
availability in the United States, and they barely covered hockey. It was a running joke, even for us as, as preteens and young teenagers at ESPN, just, you know, it just didn't cover hockey. It was great for in football season because I was able to sit there and watch ESPN and watch highlights of football. And then, oh, here comes basketball and baseball highlights. Oh, there might have been some hockey games last night. I mean, they literally would devote maybe 10 seconds to hockey. It was absurd, which is why a lot of hockey fans are not happy that ESPN is back at being or at least trying to be an NHL coverage site. And I'm not happy about it because they've been pretty lackluster in the past. And I'm really not happy about the NHL ESPN package. But who knows? Different people, different timing. Maybe it's going to be a different deal. But this stuff happened back then. I had no idea. It was just never, ever talked about. No one ever talked about offer sheets and all this stuff. And with all the information we can get now, it's easy just to look back and go, wow. I mean, you want to talk about some names that were offer sheeted as well. Scott Stevens being offer sheeted a couple times there. But Brendan Shanahan back in 91 was offer sheeted by St. Louis Blues out of the New Jersey Devils. And uh, yeah, it wasn't matched. So Brendan Shanahan went to St. Louis and the Blues still owed Two for it says owed first round picks to the Capitals as per the original Stevens offer sheet in 1990, and the Blues and Devils were unable to agree on proper compensation. The Blues offered goalie Curtis Joseph and centerman Rob Brandemore and two draft picks, but the Devils declined, asking instead for Stevens. The case was referred to arbitration, and the arbitrator Edward Houston awarded Stevens to the Devils. What I'm gathering from that was obviously the Blues already owed the four or five, I think it was the four first round draft picks, yep. and they still made an arbitration, they still made an offer sheet, which obviously they weren't allowed to. Well, not that they were allowed to, but they don't have the compensation to give. So, I mean, think about how different an organization would be. I mean, yeah, okay, let's just take away the Devils. Scott Stevens is the Devils, let's be honest here. Imagine you taking him away and you put Rob Brenneman and Curtis Joseph back there. Obviously, they had Bruder and, you know, Scott Stevens and they went all those runs and whatever, but, like, it's just crazy. I mean, that summer, like, you're talking about, like, that was, like, 91, if you think about it. Like, Dave Tomlinson was offer-sheeted by the Bruins from the St. Louis Blues. Glenn Featherstone, well, the Blues really took a hit here. The Bruins, again, went after Dave Featherstone from St. Louis. Then St. Louis went after New Jersey for Shanahan. And then St. Louis went after Chicago for Michael Goulet. And then the exact same summer, the Rangers went after the Oilers for Adam Graves and wasn't matched. So that's another huge office sheet that changed a, you know, an organization, the Rangers. When you think the Rangers, I think Adam Graves. Yes. Uh, he is, so, you know, honestly, his, his numbers retired there as well. Exactly. Uh, and then still in that summer, the Boston Bruins were very busy with offer sheets. Uh, they offer sheet the Panthers from Quangans for Kevin Stevens. Uh, and then, you know, just the summer after, I mean, it, it just goes crazy. And then the one that blows my mind that I had no idea ever happened was in the summer of 1992 when the Calgary Flames offered $2.7 million, I'm guessing it's for one year, doesn't really specify, for Timu Solani from the Jets, which was matched. Could you imagine if somehow Timu Solani would end up on the Flames in 92? No, no. These would have been franchise-altering moves. It just and like some of these things are, are just crazy. Like Marty McSorley, like again the Blues going after the Kings for him in 1993, offering him a five-year, ten million dollar deal. Uh, Pierre Nedved, the St. Saint- Louis Blues are the offsheet kings. They are. Like, I just keep seeing Blues, Blues, Blues. Like I get the the Canes are walking around. Like I almost want to take a screenshot and send it at the Canes and be like, listen, take a seat because the St. Louis Blues are the kings here. They offer sheeted. Pierre Nedved from the Canucks, you know, a three-year, $12 million deal. And then again, the St. Louis Blues, this is when they try to offer Scott Stevens and then all that, you know, problems 
happened there. But it's just it's just crazy. I mean, I'm going through some of these names like Keith Kachuk. The Blackhawks tried to offer him at a five-year, $17.2 million deal in 95. Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets matched that, which, again, imagine Keith Kachuk playing for the Blackhawks back in 95 when there was a bit more grit on that team. Like, that would have been, that would have been scary. And then, of course, my Ottawa Senators offer sheeted Washington's Capitals Ron Tugna for a one-year, $400,000 deal, which, you know, <laughs> my favorite part is no compensation due to contract value. So they offered him so little for one year that the NHL was like, nah, it's all good. Just take him. And then here's another one. This one blows my mind. I had no idea this happened. And I'm not sure if you have, but, you know, the New York Rangers in 1997 offered sheeted Joe Sackick from the Colorado Avalanche a three-year, $21 million deal was obviously matched. But you imagine Sackick, like, that just... That would just make the NHL weird. Like if now that you know like the great career he had with them, you imagine him playing for the Rangers? Not at all. And he was already a great player by that time. So the Rangers knew exactly what they were doing. But yeah, I can't imagine. It was just it, when you know these players so well at this point, you can imagine them. I can't imagine Sackick in a in a Rangers jersey, man. I can't do it. And I can't imagine Graves not in a Rangers jersey. You know what I mean? It's this is what we know their name to be attached to. So really some absolutely crazy, <laughs> crazy, again, franchise altering moves here with like Matthias Olin being offer sheeted by Toronto out of Vancouver. And of course they were going to match that. They weren't going to let Olin go. And that was what five years, 10 million at 7.5 million signing bonus. That's a big deal in 97, man. They went for Sergey Fedorov was offer sheeted by here's here's where the Carolina Hurricanes like jump into the mix right, and they offer sheeted Sergey Fedorov from the Detroit Red Wings. Can you imagine Sergey Fedorov as a Carolina Hurricane? I can imagine him as Capital. I have that jersey, but can you imagine him as a Kane? Well, and even then, like this is where the Canes became the Canes. This is kind of where they started doing the thing. Like, you know, it says here an attempted to basically persuade the Red Wings from matching Carolina's contract for the, and this was unusual at the time. The contract was front loaded with $12 million in bonuses. If Fedorov reached the conference finals. So uh, basically, you know, they, they try to front load the contract. They try to offer a ton of bonuses basically to get Detroit to be like, no, we're not going to deal with that. Well, obviously Detroit matched it, and Fedorov ended up being paid $28 million that season. Like, back then, like, $28 million was like, this is in 19, what, 1996? 1998, $28 million for one year. Like, Fedorov was living large. Yeah, (laughs) he was living real large. That was a massive contract, a lot to get paid for one season. But it actually isn't Carolina. It isn't the organization's first offer sheet. Back when they were the Hartford Whalers, they actually offer sheeted for Stephen Rice four to five years earlier out of Edmonton. Uh, It wasn't matched. So Rice went off to Hartford. Uh, So. But when it became the Carolina Hurricanes, this was their first as a, as a team in North Carolina. But they've made some pretty big moves since in terms of trying to put in the offer sheets and being successful at. But, yeah, you look at some of these, some more of these, man. This is It's just fascinating to see all these ones come in here. And Ryan Kessler being offer sheeted by the Flyers out of the Canucks and the Canucks keeping them. The last actually before the Cockney Emmy offer sheet, the last one not to be matched was the Dustin Penner offer Edmonton being unable to get Thomas Vanek out of Buffalo through an offer sheet to Anaheim 
and took him. So Dustin Penner went to Edmonton out of Anaheim for five years, $21.5 million, and turn Anaheim got a first, second, and third round pick in 2008. Yeah, and I mean, if you think of you know the cup run that Edmonton had, Dustin Penner was a huge part of that. So I think for them, they saw that first, second, and third round are worth it because you're making a run at them. But again, I mean... How ballsy of of Edmonton, you know, go after Vanek, get denied. No problem. We got plan B. He go offer sheet. Here we go. Like that's, that's, that's like, they, like the Canes seem mild at this point between the St. Louis Blues and the Edmonton Oilers because they just didn't care. They're like, you know what? We have money. We have picks. We don't care who we go. Just throwing money at players. I mean, if you look at one here and I think this completely changed three different teams in the NHL. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, well, two really, but I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers were part of it. So Philly offers she did then National Predator Shea Weber for 14 years, $110 million, which was matched. But as we know, you know, was it the, the following year or two years later, the big trade between Montreal and and the, the, the Predators, you know, swapping Weber and P.K. Subban, and I think really it came down to Weber's contract and Montreal just trying to get rid of Subban. If it wasn't for that offer she, I don't think... I mean, Weber was a stud. Weber was one of the great defenses. I don't know if he'd get 14 years, 110 from them. But because of the offer sheet, they were forced to sign it and then eventually forced to trade their captain away. So some of these, even when they're they're matched, it still changes how the landscape of hockey looks because so many teams at the time said, yeah, like, for example, he said, like, with Buffalo, yeah, we'll match it. And then a year or two down the road, you know, things are getting a little tight and you're you're stuck with a player with a massive contract. Yeah, and that's why the offshoots are important, even though some of these might not be matched and then other ones are, even when a team decides to accept that and not lose a Sebastian Ajo or a Shea Weber, it definitely changes the dynamic of what they were going to be able to do moving forward. And that's kind of half of the, I guess, the FU portion of like Carolina's attack back at Montreal and Really, if you look at it, only two in the last 24 years haven't been matched. In 24 years, only two haven't been matched. And seriously, that's just the Dustin Penner one and now the Cockney Emmy. That's it. Uh, every other offer sheet has been matched, but it is definitely, it, when you look at the big names on these on these offer sheets that went down, definitely, definitely, definitely changed the outlook of some of these organizations for sure. In my head right now, and I mean, I, I, I start laughing because I saw an article the other day about how basically the Yotes are clearing space and have all this cap money, and they're making, they're getting ready to, to sign and bring Austin Matthews home. Hear me out. They've traded for a ton of picks. Yes, they don't have their first round, the first and second or the first round pick for a while, but they've traded for so many picks that you know not just next year but the year after and all that and i could still see them making trades to bring in salary to to make other to get other picks what if they offer sheet austin matthews a team who's already tight on budget just enough where toronto can't offer can't say yes to the offer yeah toronto's gonna get a ton of draft picks and they're gonna lose their star player if that happens i'm saying i'm calling it right now i don't know when his contract is over but i'm i'm keeping an eye out for Yost, an offer sheet to to Matthews. That would be interesting to see, man. That would, but they got to be planning up for something. I mean, all they've been doing is collecting these picks and taking on salary. So it's going to be interesting to see what Arizona 
does as long as they're still right now Arizona. We'll see where that where that drama unfolds. But that's a whole nother podcast. We've talked about it already, but that's a very intriguing one that we can talk about so much more because it is there's so many opportunities to really just think about where that whole organization could go with all of its changes. But that said, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.